Here at Living Hope, we always stand when the gospel is read. It's the highlight of our night. It's the highlight of every week to hear the words and works of our Savior Jesus, especially tonight as we hear his birth from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The Gospel of our Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Please take a seat. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is not a fun thought for tonight, but imagine, just for a moment, if there was no Christmas. This is something that the Christian author C.S. Lewis imagined when he wrote his popular fantasy book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Maybe you haven't read that book in a long time, maybe you've never read it. If you have, maybe you'll recall that when the Pevensey children discover the land of Narnia, when they walk through that, that magical wardrobe that transports them there, they step foot in a place that is cold, covered with snow, it's frozen. A wintry place. Not long after, little Lucy Pevensey meets a satyr, named Mr. Tumnus. 
And as she walks along with Mr. Tumnus through the snow, as she talks with him, Mr. Tumnus, he says to her, It is winter in Narnia, and has been for so very long. Always winter, but never Christmas. The White Witch is ruling in Narnia, and she has cast a curse over the whole land. She declares that it will always be winter. Always winter, never Christmas. C.S. Lewis uses the land of Narnia as a metaphor for this world in in many different ways. When you read his books, you'll, you'll catch on to that. And as he imagines a land where there's no Christmas, it it makes us think about maybe how dark and cold a place this would be for us if God had not come to be with us and take on human flesh at Christmas. We've felt the winter. We have felt the winter of this weary world. And maybe you felt it even stronger this year than in years past. Maybe... 2021, right? It was supposed to be better than 2020. And for a lot of people, I don't think it has been. And 2022, well, guess what? Prepare yourself. It's probably not going to be any better either. It's kind of just how this world works. And if we haven't found that out yet, well, well, we'll probably catch on sooner or later. This world tends to bring a, a wintry blast against us, a a permafrost of sin and problems that never really seem to melt away. And Satan, the, the prince of this world, like the white witch in Narnia, has cast a curse over all the land. And you don't have to look hard to find that curse in effect. Turn on the TV someday, you'll see it. Tornadoes in Kentucky, typhoons in the Philippines. What are we on, the the third strain of the coronavirus now? There's going to be more. This is not going away anytime soon. We, We see the effects of that curse in hatred and hunger and racism and and so much suffering and in death. This curse, it, it It holds on tight like a long winter that won't let go deep, deep into the spring. That that maybe pushes all the way into April and just when you think it's over, it snows again. And we've personally felt the effects of this curse. Personally, we have in a relationship that's gone cold. In losing a loved one that has been snatched away by the icy grip of death and, and no matter how old they were, it's always feeling too soon. And we know that there's, there's nothing in this world that, that can fill us with the warmth we really need as you look out to try and find that, that answer, to find the, the peace that we're looking for, all we find is more of the curse to the point where it's not all that surprising anymore when things do go wrong. Like a minus 40 degrees wind chill, no coat, No windbreaker that we try putting on is going to keep out the cold and the pain of this place and the curse that's here. And if there's no Christmas, then we're left with an even bigger problem. We're left without a key 
to unlock the, the heavy suitcases of sin chained to our wrists, dragging us down. If there's no Christmas, we're left wondering, does God really care? Can we really trust him to keep to his promises? Because all we're left with then is what this world can give us. And we know that those, those things this world offers are never going to be enough to lift the curse. Always winter, never Christmas. If you vacate Christmas of Emmanuel, God with us, well then the human dilemma becomes very, very clear to us. No Christmas means no, no Mary and Joseph, no shepherds, no angels, just a stable, an empty stable filled with straw. This can't be the truth that there's no Christmas. And so maybe now we understand a world without Christmas would be, that'd be a cold and dark place. But now let's stop playing pretend. Let's, let's rein in our imagination and get back to reality. In short, let's shout it out. I believe in Christmas. And this is not the cheesy sort of saying, I believe in Christmas that you hear in the movies. Believing in Christmas has nothing to do with Santa Claus. Believing in Christmas has nothing to do with, with believing in this kind of generic Christmas spirit that supposedly warms everyone's hearts this time of year in the holidays. Believing in Christmas means enjoying a far better reality that God has come to be with us. That this is the heart of Christmas and this is what we mean when we believe in Christmas. We believe that God is here as our Savior to save us. And amid all the details of a Roman census and a choir of angels and joyful shepherds and a stable and a birth and a stable filled with straw and animals, amid, amid all those details is the best de detail of all that God has come to be with us. And I think if you're looking at any one verse in the Christmas account that's the most important of them all, it's this one. What the angel said to the shepherds. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. God has come to be with us as our Savior. This is what we mean when we say, I believe in Christmas. That God has come to be with us, to save us, to be one of us. This Savior is real. And you look at that passage, there's a when and a where and a how that you find there. There's a when. Today, the angel tells the shepherds, today a Savior's been born to you, and today, for you and me, because of that Savior's birth, we know that God has stepped into our human timeline 2,000 years ago to redeem it from beginning to end. There's a, there's a where. In the town of David in Bethlehem there, God with us, Emmanuel, makes his debut. And he shows us that God is with us here in, in a real place, 
taking up a physical space, lying there in that manger with a body just like yours and mine. The Lord Almighty, the, the great I Am, who is in all and through all, confines himself to a body on Christmas. And there's a how. There's a how here. God comes to be with us through a birth. A a miraculous birth, born of a virgin, born as God himself, and yet still a birth. Like yours and mine. He comes to be with us, to take on our flesh. That offspring of of the woman that would be coming to crush the serpent's head was born in a humble way, in a stable, but that means the stable's not empty, not just filled with straw. Mary and Joseph are there, and the shepherds, and the child. And maybe most important of all, there's a who in this passage. God is with us as our Savior. That child in the manger is Christ the Lord, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one to redeem us from our sins, the prophet to bring good news that binds up the brokenhearted, the priest to offer himself as the perfect sacrifice once for all, the king who rules with perfect, absolute mercy. This is who that child is. When we sing that song, what child is this? Our Savior who comes to be with us. And he is here all for you. Unto you a Savior is born. And so really you could say, Jesus is not the reason for the season. Your need of a rescue is the reason for the season. And there's good news. A Savior has been born to you. Jesus didn't need to be born for himself. He didn't need to live for himself. He didn't need to die for himself. He did all this for you. Christ took on human form for you. Christ lived a perfect life for you. Christ hung on the cross for you. He paid the penalty of sin for you. He delivered you from the shadow of death by dying for you. He rises to life for you to have eternal life with him. It's simply amazing the way that God chooses to make himself known to us, to be with us by becoming one of us. Emmanuel, God in the flesh. He goes from that glory in the highest that the angels sang sang about, and he comes to the lowest of lows, to be born in a humble manger, in a stable, all for the purpose of bringing peace on earth and peace to your own heart. Martin Luther once said, I know no other God other than the one who hangs on a cross and nurses at the breast of his mother. You know what? That that is the only God I want to know. The one who has come to be with us. God leaves us with three unmistakable images so that he can cement that truth in our, in our hearts that he is with us. The unmistakable image of a manger and a stable. The striking image of a Roman cross. And the surprising image of an empty tomb. 
those images are the ones that still grab the whole world's attention today and make everyone grapple with, with wondering well, what to make of this God who's lying in a manger and nailed to a cross and vacating a tomb. And for you and me, who believe in Christmas and who also believe in Good Friday and in Easter, we know. God is with us in every sense of the term. The Christmas fact leads to the fact of the crucifixion, the fact of the resurrection, and the fact that no longer anymore do we have to wonder what a world would be like without Christmas. It may be winter, but we've, we've, we've always got Christmas. We may live in a, a cold, dark world under a curse, but we can put up with the lingering cold and gloom because our God, our Savior, has come to be with us with his warmth and his light. Christmas has come and is coming, and so we watch as Christmas and all its blessings flow as far as the curse is found. It's always Christmas, never winter, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen.